What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are going to be talking about one of the biggest stars in movies still. Uh, one of the few guys that's shown with certain properties, he can still make money based on a single name. Uh, that is Tom Cruise. He proved it with Top Gun Maverick, um, and he's proved it with other movies. It is the mummy going to be one of them? That's the movie that we're here to talk about today. Uh, the mummy actually launched the long running and successful dark. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> this movie was supposed to launch uh, the dark universe, uh, which never came to fruition. And that's something Rob and I will, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about with this movie, but Rob, it was funny watching this. Uh, and seeing that dark universe logo and and really just kind of going back and looking at all of that. And they had that, you know, still shot of of all the actors and what they were going to do. And, you know, this was when the MCU was at its peak of popularity. And, and really, even when something was bad, like still got a pass and everything had to be a connected universe. And it was, oh, this is the oh, it's the dark universe. So. It was kind of funny seeing that logo and then really just going into everything that like how quickly that failed. So they really thought they had something with this. I mean, just the beginning of this intro graphic for the dark universe, like they they put some time into that. They they clearly thought this was going to be something. And I I want to kind of tell the listeners a little bit of a story first before we really get into discussing this film. And when I say film, the air quotes are heavily implied there. So we were originally going to do this uh, to cap off Spooky Movie Month in October uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then for one reason or another, we've, we've had to change this twice. So I've been kind of living with this movie just sort of in the back of my head for well over two and a half weeks. Well, first of all, I got bullied into doing this movie on air in the first place. Matt said, we're doing this. And he promised you, the listener, that we were going to do this. I never fully consented to no. this, but because I was bullied into it on air, I had to watch it and then had to sit through it, take notes, and then live with this still for an extra two weeks because we had to move the recording uh, on two separate occasions when all I really want to do is just flush this movie from my short-term memory, not have to even remember that I watched it. And yet I've still got, I've got it like in the back of my head, just things that I know wanna, we want to talk about for this episode. And I have not been able to just flush it. So I think at some point, uh, we got to change. We might need to change the show instead of MGTTM. I think it might have to be MIABF for Matt is a bad friend. Uh, that, that might be, that might be, it might be like a subset of the show. Like when, when, when you make me watch these movies. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I'm telling you this, uh, this show together, it's, it's basically death by a thousand cuts for you. Cause I, <laughs> I make you do this all the time. Uh, <laughs> and it's not even like, like, it's not even like daredevil where it was fun to like rip apart because it's so bad that it's, it's actually like a little bit good or like even Batman and Robin, you know, we talked about this with um i'm trying to remember what it even was recent oh it's battleship you know there's different right there's different kinds of bad movies battleship is like armageddon bad where it's like obviously bad but it's a summer blockbuster just throw popcorn in your face and just kind of like just deal with it and get over it you'll be fine this one is just actually bad like they had clear plans but 
And when I say clear plans, I guess I mean they had plans that this was going to be huge, but they never actually planned out how they were going to make it huge by making a good movie that people were actually going to be into. I mean, they had all of these guys. You talked about the still shot that was on the front cover of entertainment weekly. Like that was, that was around, like this was something that people were hyped for. I mean, just think about how big the month of October is and how big of a holiday Halloween is like most people's favorite holiday is Christmas. And then if, you know, if it's not Christmas for most other people, it's Halloween because they love spooky season. They love monsters and they love the macabre and they love all of these things. So to think that these iconic characters, you know, some of the most iconic characters in all of literature and fiction, you think about Dracula and you think about uh, Frankenstein's monster and, and all of these other characters that were supposed to be brought in and, and some of the oldest black and white movies that anybody even still cares about were these universal monsters. And this was supposed to be a connected universe, which I guess here was my question. Where were they going with this? Like, I guess before we even get into this, like the whole concept of the dark universe, like it's not like with the Avengers where eventually they were going to come together to fight Thanos. Like what was the Thanos of the dark universe? What was the point of having a connected universe with all these characters? What were they building to? Yeah. You know, that that's the thing. And regardless of what, regardless of what this movie was, is it was surprising to see how quickly they pulled the plug on this. Now, I know this movie was not financially successful, but you know, some of these other movies that they had planned and we'll talk about that you could have done for a fairly low budget, it seems. And maybe recuperated some of that money that you lost from this back. And it really does feel like this movie was okay. Now, again, I, I want to stress, I don't ever think, especially here with this one. Now, yes, sometimes they do, but I don't think this was a movie that anybody wanted to make and wasn't good. You know what I like, Rob, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't go in there being like, this is going to be bad unless it's like, the, <clears throat> you know, th they wanted to make something here, but I also think it was just, you know, some of it, it was, was putting the cart before the horse. Right. And some of it was, well, this movie's going like, we're going to kick this off. Like, I think there's a reason they started with the mummy and Tom Cruise because, okay, well, people are going to go see this because of Tom Cruise. Like this can be the starting point because it's Tom Cruise. Um, and, you know, I'll say, and I, I think we can talk about this more later. This isn't necessarily a great performance from him. And I actually do think he is a very good actor. Um, I don't think he's particularly strong in this movie, which goes to show you that, you know, bad scripts and whatever else um, can really, really affect. But, you know, this movie failing um, really and actually this universe Rob, I don't know if you know this, but this universe kind of failed even before the mummy. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there was supposed to be a film that had already been released. They were going to kind of retcon into this almost the way that a man of steel wasn't really supposed to be the start of a new shared universe, but kind of retroactively became that way. Am, am I correct on that? I think it was supposed to be a Dracula film that was not well received. Yeah, it was Dracula untold. Um, 
with uh Luke Evans. I, I should know because I actually really like that movie. Um, but yeah, Dracula Untold was actually supposed to be the original starting point for um for this movie. Uh, for this universe, which then they said, oh, no, never mind. We'll do the mummy. And then it was kind of tentatively like, oh, well, we'll bring that back into the fold. But there was. So with this movie not, you know, producing the way they thought the mummy Two, bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, invisible man, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde which we know who would have played him Dracula untold Two, and Van Helsing, which would have been a reboot from the uh, Hugh Jackman one. We're all supposed to be part of this. And every one of those movies was scrapped uh, immediately. Um, that was pretty like to me that that is crazy. Like how quickly they pulled the plug on this. To be honest, so this is not a good movie. And I, if you haven't figured out that that's my thought on this yet, uh, have you been listening? But to be 100% honest, as I was finishing this, um, I, in my head, thought that I would have been willing to give this universe a second movie to try to entice me to finish watching the series. Like if, had they gone the rest of the way, and it's kind of funny because, and I feel like we talked about this three years ago when we first did our MCU power rankings. There are so many times that people have tried to get a connected universe right or bring in shared characters or or multiple major characters from other things. And other than Marvel, it doesn't seem like anybody can get it right. Think about something even like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That should have been a great, fun popcorn movie and it was terrible and it kind of like I kept getting vibes of that movie watching this seeing that they were trying to pull in all of these characters that don't really relate to one another but they were going to try to make them relate and in ways that you know they have their own sort of I guess name value on their own and then trying to bring them together. Mm -hmm. I kind of, but yet it somehow didn't work. Uh, I totally agree with you on that, on your Tom Cruise point, by the way, normally I think he's a fantastic actor. I think he's among the most talented actors working and, and certainly among the biggest movie stars that are out there right now. Usually you can open a movie just on him alone. And yet somehow none of that seemed to work for this. And what really occurs to me, there's kind of like, within the production world, there's kind of like an inside joke of, you know, if something goes wrong, that's just like, well, F it, we'll fix it in post. Just kind of meaning like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Like maybe we can fix it later. And so much of this movie kind of felt like they didn't really know where they were going and what they were doing. They were just going to do a bunch of stuff and hope that when they sat down in the editing room in post-production, they could like make something out of it and failed. Like it just, there was nothing to bring together. There was just too much, too much disjointedness and not a good enough roadmap to start this thing in the first place. Connected universes. And every time I think about it and every time I watch a movie like this, or, you know, you think about the failures of the DCEU, it just makes me realize that Kevin Feige is among the smartest human beings to ever live. Like he's, he's the Leonardo da Vinci of what he does. Like he's just this crazy smart 
brilliant Renaissance person that can somehow pull things together that other human beings, mere mortals, just completely stumble and, and fall down the hill trying to put together. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that is a, boy, that's probably just another whole episode in itself, especially with the recent string of the MCU, um, and well, and, and what they're going through, but yeah, uh, <laughs> um, which quick little side, I've heard that there was test screenings for captain America and it was absolutely hated. Um, and that's why it's delayed again, but, um, oh boy. Yeah, you know, it was it was funny to see all of these things where it was just like, boy, it it really is. And and especially, like I just said, seeing how the MCU is struggling right now, that lightning in a bottle feeling to have so many things line up for yourself and to have that culmination of Infinity War and Endgame and that 10 year plan that finally came together it really can't be overstated how rare that was with watching everything else around it fail and having a roadmap. The The biggest problem that we've talked about with Star Wars and the sequels was literally, and they openly admitted it, there was no roadmap. There was, there was nothing in place to where it was going to go. The Force Awakens was made. And it was, okay, well, here you go. And then they do The Last Jedi, and they told Ryan Johnson, oh, just do whatever you want. Like, there was no communication of, well, this needs to lead to this. This needs to go here. This was the plan for Snoke. Um, and then everything happens with that movie. And then it was, oh, well, let's bring J.J. Abrams back. But it was, well okay, keep some of the stuff that happened in Last Jedi, but let's retcon some of it. Let's make The Rise of Skywalker feel like a sequel to The Force Awakens and almost The Last Jedi kind of doesn't exist. Like, I wish it didn't exist. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's rare. It, it's rare that those things work out. And again, what, like, what was going to be the end game here? Was it going to be, they fit like who are these guys going to team up and face? Cause it's almost like a league of extraordinary gentlemen type thing where, okay, it's a connected universe, but what would connect these people in the end? Like who would be the big bad guy? Would it be Dracula? Like who would it be? Like what would happen with this universe? And again, I still think you could have, waited to pull the plug on this and give us something like the invisible man or, you know, it would have to have been a stronger property. Like I, you kind of need either a Dracula or a Frankenstein. Like you need one of the more, like you think about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I mean, it's regarded as the original piece of science fiction ever created. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I don't think she gets enough credit for. Um, Cause I think she kind of just did it on a goof almost like they were just like a bunch of people sort of hanging out and they were coming up with stuff and she just kind of like, okay, well how about this? You know? And it's, and it's amazing if you ever get a chance to read the novel, how much, like how much we borrow from that, those ideas still in modern um, 
storytelling today. Even something as stupid as Deep Blue Sea. Do you remember Deep Blue Sea? Yes. With LL Cool J? That borrows heavily from Mary Shelley's original novel. Not necessarily the Boris Karloff version, but like Mary Shelley's original novel. Like so much of that makes its way into like even something as stupid as that. Like there's there's you need a character with that kind of value. You kind of needed like a Dracula level character to really get this thing going. And to start with, you know, Egyptian kind of vibes. I, you know, I think people are really into Egypt. I think, especially with like History Channel playing ancient aliens all the time. Like, I think people are more into ancient Egypt now than than maybe they have been in a, in a very long time. But was this really the character? Was this really the villain you wanted to start this on? <clears throat> and even more important than that, you think about the very opening of this movie. You kickstart your connected franchise with infanticide and a woman being buried alive. You literally kill a baby and bury a woman alive as the start to your franchise. And you can't figure out why people aren't getting behind it. I don't know. Oh, and then right after that, what happens? You've got some white guys looting Middle Eastern antiquities in an Iraqi setting. Not exactly a popular war. Probably not a good idea. And then you have your main character lie and steal from a woman he slept with trying to, you know, just like get information and steal from her and and gaslight her. And then that's followed by a whole string of not even vague innuendos, though that the whole first 20 minutes of this movie are hard to watch and at a bare minimum, really cringy. Yeah. And I I think I, I you know, this is a good time to actually start talking about the movie in particular. And before I talk about that, though, this is where I want to take a quick break to actually let listeners know about another giveaway, which is very appropriate because it's with Tom Cruise. And that giveaway is for the brand new released Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So, We have another giveaway, like I said, which is for a franchise that is one of the rare ones that has gotten better over time. Um, You can't really get to seven, eight, nine, ten numbers in the movies with them getting better. But I think after Mission Impossible 3, Mission Impossible has gotten better with each entry. So for listeners... We are going to be giving away five copies of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. You can bring home Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning on 4K disc and digital. Tom Cruise stars in the film critics are calling the biggest and best action movie of the year. And you can buy Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 today and go behind the scenes with incredible bonus content. It's available at participating retailers and it's rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. But like I said... The great news is you don't have to spend money on it. You just have to listen to the show, follow us, and you can win one free copy of this movie that we will send out to our winners. So uh, thank you to Matt360 for that because I absolutely love that franchise. That's one that we've actually never talked about any of the entries. But thank you so much for Matt360 for giving us another giveaway for our listeners. So Rob going from a good franchise and we're going to go back to, to this, um, <laughs> you know, the, okay. <laughs> the, the thing that I noticed was this movie really starts off 
you know, you said the first 20 minutes are bad, but it starts off in a lot of ways, like the movies that you and I personally have talked about. We like a lot more and that's the mummy and the mummy returns. It starts off with a lot of dialogue. And that's one of the, that's one of the things I don't like about this movie is there's a lot of parts in it that are, it's, it's exposition. There's a lot of filler in this movie explaining everything. Now in the mummy returns the, or in the mummy, like the opening, yes, they talk about Emotep and they show the scenes, but then it gets into it and it's lighthearted and it's fun. And I'm not saying that's why this movie failed, but it's just, it's almost, it's almost dark in a way that's, it's not fun or not entertaining. Like, I, like, trust me, I'm the last guy. Like, I I love a good horror. I love good, you know, a good dark movie. Um, but this is just almost it like it didn't want to commit because then there's some, you know, jokes in the movie and there's some lightheartedness, but it didn't know what to kind of commit to. It I, I felt. And again, the performances for me are just they're not good. Like, why did, why does Tom Cruise's character, why does this have to be a girl that, oh, he slept with before? Like, it, it's, it's got those tropes right in the beginning. Like, why does he, like, why do they have to have a history? Why couldn't they just be two characters that happen to intersect with each other? Lazy screenwriting. Yes, it is. It like, that is like, okay, so we're supposed to care or like, not for nothing, even at the end of this, like this his character he's not a good guy like he's he's really a he's really a piece of shit um so if you really if you if you think about all the things that this movie fails at it there's a couple things that i think really summarize a lot of it the heroes aren't likable or compelling the villains aren't particularly unique or interesting the movie sort of plods along without doing much in the way of being unique in its space And ultimately, it's just another mind control supernatural movie. We've seen this. The heroes aren't even dislikable in a roguish sort of way. It's not like any number of lovable scamps like Han Solo or even the guys from Ocean's Eleven. They just suck. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have heroes that are interesting and compelling, like even if the hero is an anti-hero and they're actually a bad guy, like a bad guy. And, but they're at least have some kind of interesting character traits to them. Like you want to see how it comes out. I mean, there's, you think about something like Scarface, like clearly Tony Montana is not a character that you root for. He's a bad, a bad guy. And even like has a say hello to the bad guy, you know, he's got Mm -hmm. that whole scene, Yep. but he's at least it's interesting to watch what he does and how this whole world, how he achieves what he achieves and how it all comes collapsing down and why it's, it's interesting to watch his rise and fall, but none of these characters give you that. Like you don't even really see any of them long enough, I guess, do anything interesting where you care what happens to them. Um, like even, even Jenny, the, the love interest, like she's a little bit interesting, but, but only because you kind of feel bad for her that she got lied to and taken advantage of. Um, outside of that, like, who, which which character in this movie do you identify with or care about or be like, yeah, that was my favorite character in this movie? Right. Yeah. There's there's not like it, which that is something that I was really surprised of that, like 
Tom Cruise allowed himself to kind of be put into that position of his character, Nick, where he's just not a good guy. It's it, it, it was really weird because you look at some of his other movies, it's 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 very different. And I I was surprised that he really allowed himself because he's not related, he's not rootable. Like even during this movie, like when he okay, like I'm supposed to believe he had a change of heart about Jenny. I'm supposed like I just or that he cared about his friend, you know, that um what was his what was his friend's name? Uh Chris. Chris, like I'm supposed to believe that he cares about him, you know, and at the end they're together. Like, like you said, there's nothing relatable. I don't want to root for these guys. I, I just don't. And there's nothing really in this movie either. Like not only people that you can't root for, or like you really want to see succeed. Um, there's never really any kind of moments, like maybe the plane scene, like where the plane's going to crash. That's pretty cool. That is legitimately cool, but there's not, there's not a lot to sit here and grip you with. There's just, there's not, I, I don't understand. Um, I, I just don't understand what this movie is because there's nothing relatable. And that's, that's how I, you can break it down. There's not it, anything, nothing really happens. Like maybe, the coolest thing is Russell Crowe, like his little Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing, maybe, or the coolest thing is a reference to the actual mummy movies. I like, what do you have in this movie? That's the thing that I kept saying while I was rewatching this is what am I supposed to do here? Who am I supposed to root for the, like even the mummy in this, and, and this is nothing against the actress, but just very generic, very plain, like nothing captivated me with this movie. And I was surprised because we watched a lot of movies where I'm like, yeah, all right. You know what? It's, it's still what I remember, but at least there's some fun there. Or hmm, like we said with battleship, you know, going back, damn, the first half hour of this movie is actually pretty good. There's, there's a good film here and it, you know, gets bogged down a little bit, but wow, this, they did something here. That is not the mummy. The the mummy is what I remember. And it's, that's almost worse. Like you said, when there's nothing to say like, oh, well, it's so bad. It's good. The mummy is just, all right, whatever. Like I watched it. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it. It's a gross misunderstanding of what makes com- compelling connected universes, something people are into. I think they took the wrong lesson from the Avengers. They took the lesson of, oh, you just pull all these beloved characters together. You somehow connect them a little bit over time from one movie. And, you know, they make a crossover from one movie into the next. And then you bring them all together into a major film. It'll do billions. And they just they missed on all of the other things that made the MCU successful in the first place, not to spend a lot of time on a, on a podcast around the mummy really getting into the MCU. But if you think about what they started with, they started with Tony Stark and he is not at the beginning of the movie, a good guy. He's actually a very, you know, a morally bad dude. Like Mm -hmm. he does a lot of really bad things and he continues to make bad decisions. He continues to do bad things throughout the movie. 
And then he fully understands the consequences of his actions. You see that growth in that character. You see him change. You see him decide he's going to do something about it. He's going to atone for his mistakes. And he becomes a very interesting character, so much so that when you get to the final scenes of Endgame, you're bawling like a baby over the growth of this character and what he's done across a whole series of movies. And there was no... There was no beginning of that here. It's it, the the filmmakers clearly never understood why the Avengers were successful. They thought it was just take all these characters, shake it into a jar, spit it out, have somebody write a script around it, and people will come and see it. It'll be awesome. It'll make all the money. And that's not why the Avengers was successful. Right. Even even DC, who is also a superhero property, who has teams like Suicide Squad and the Justice League and the Titans and, you know, all of these other groups, even they can't figure out how to get it right. It's it's really, you know, use the term lightning in a bottle earlier. That's what it is. Like even Star Wars can't seem to get it right <laughs> at right. different points. Like arguably and i wouldn't even say arguably at this point it it is probably inarguably the largest piece of intellectual property on planet earth right now which would put it very high in the running for largest intellectual property in the galaxy um and even they can't seem to get it right sometimes about how to connect all of these pieces of data and connect these characters from one to the next right and maybe we just have our expectations are just too high and you know like or maybe studios just, like I said, learned the wrong lesson from it and didn't start by making a good, compelling movie first. How many times have we said that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's the Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's a trailer for, oh, we want to do all of these spinoff properties. Like, look at all of our toys, but don't look too close because guess what? The, you know, ninja kick action doesn't work or the, <laughs> like. Yeah. You know, like it, the Kung Fu grip doesn't grip. Right. They're they're good to look at, but don't actually you're never going to get to play with them like because we actually they're all broken. And that's what this movie is. This movie is very broken. And it, it's again, it stops for long periods of time to just dump dialogue on you because nothing can just be shown on screen. Your main character is not relatable. Your secondary character and is not really relatable. Like I, I also don't realize any reason why I really root for, for Jenny. Like why? Like, and again, at the end of the movie, you said this though, I, are we supposed to like, are we supposed to root for Nick? Like, Oh, is he going to use his powers because he's merged for good or for evil? Like, and then he goes back and freaking resurrects his his friend and they're on the, you know, now they're going to be freaking looking for a cure. Like, I, I just at the end of this movie, you have no reason. You really have no reason to care whether or not he finds it. And the other problem is that once you present that you have a character who can do resurrections, death doesn't really mean anything like there's never really anybody that's going to be in danger that you're going to believe is going to be in danger because this guy has the ability to just resurrect them. Right. So it really set them up for a bad place for the future. 
uh, if they were going to try to continue something with this character. But, you know, there's different times where, um, you know, Tom Cruise and Jake Johnson, who plays his friend, Chris Vale, who I actually like. In other, my wife was really into that show, New Girl, for a little bit. And I happened to like see little bits and pieces. And I thought he was wildly hysterical in that show. Um, the little bits of it that I saw and, and quite a good actor, at least in that capacity. And I thought he was OK in this. I didn't think he was terrible in this, but they have some scenes that you just like. It's like, did anybody think about how they were supposed to actually set this up? Like, what was the end goal of this scene? And and I'm thinking specifically, there's the one where he's in the bathroom um, and and uh, Chris is kind of like zombified a little bit. The scene is is actually kind of terrible overall. It immediately follows with he's out in the street. And there's these just awful CG rats that are followed by a stupid fake out hallucination in the alley. There's so many things they do in this movie that are just tropey and overused and unoriginal. And even like you can do tropey and unoriginal, but do it in a unique way or at least do it in an interesting way. And these are just done in the, hey, we just got to get this movie to print as fast as we can way. Yep, exactly. It, uh, yeah, it, it, it certainly was a weird experience watching this back, especially it being like a Tom Cruise movie. And it just, it, it made all this movie did. And we talked about it. You and I individually was make me want to go back and actually watch the other mummy movies, at least the first yeah. two, because tomb of the dragon empire, um, or the dragon emperor, I actually find very, very bad. Um, And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they had to recast because uh, the new actress that plays, uh, God, what was Rick's wife's name? Evie. Um, The new actress that took over for Rachel White, like has no chemistry with Brendan Fraser whatsoever. Like it's crazy. Um, But those first two movies, the mummy and the mummy returns were so like, were so fun. They they were so much fun, and there's there, absolutely there's a lot of problems with those movies. Like the CGI doesn't age very well, but again, like we've talked about this point too, some of that stuff can be overlooked and made up for because you can tell they're having fun and mm-hmm. and the chemistry with everybody on set. A lot of this movie feels like they're not having fun. Like they could tell this wasn't going to work. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Even the set piece moments of this. So you think about the big action sequences, the like when the big plot points move forward, there's really like, they're mostly ineffective. So there's really two that I, I think of. There's the fight in the busted church. It's absolutely terrible. And one of the things that drives me absolutely insane is when you have powerful enemies who don't use their strength or all of their weapons because of plot armor. Like she's trying to kill him. She's trying to, the mummy is trying to kill Nick, trying to kill him, like not pulling her punches. She's trying to kill him and has so many opportunities to do so, but just decides to throw him around a little bit first, just to drag the scene out and give him a chance to get away. Like it's, I, I hate that so much. It's like, it's like the Dr. Evil equivalent, you know, where he's like monologuing, like, what do you like? No, like, this is so bad. And it's obviously bad. And it's, it's counterintuitive to what's really going on. And then you get to the final fight. The objectives really aren't clear. The motivations for why anything is happening is, is not clear at all. And by the time you get to the end of this, 
you get to the final scene and that should be the climax of your movie. That should be the big moment. And I just wanted it to be over. I really did. I was like, just get done with this already. Like wrap it up. I honestly don't even care how you ended at this point. I just want you to end it. Right. Yeah. That seriously, that, that was just, yeah, let's get this over with. I, at no point did I have fun. At no point was I sitting there going, okay, this is, this is interesting. It literally was just, okay. Like, can we be done here? Like, I don't, I I just, I just want this to be over and that's bad. Like that's, that's bad. It it was a chore to actually watch this. Like, yes, there's, there's different. So there's different kinds of bad movies. Right. And it's like the last time I can think of a movie that that was this much of a chore to watch. That was this joyless to sit through was when we did the live action, super Mario brothers. Like we've watched a lot of bad movies to review for this channel. And that's the closest I can remember to something that was just absolutely like it. I, I kind of had to put it on like my to-do list on my day off of like, okay, I got to do the laundry. I got to mow the grass. I got to do this. I got to fix this, you know, hole in the wall. I got to patch this. I got to watch this stupid movie. Like it was, it was literally like a chore to get through. Um, the only, the only thing that I thought was really interesting and you mentioned it, but the airplane scene. So, uh, listeners, if you've never seen this movie and you really shouldn't, but if you, if you have seen this movie and you're kind of curious, they've got this, what is actually legitimately well, uh, constructed action scene where there's, they're in a plane and the plane is going down and they filmed it in one of those vomit comets where they help NASA astronauts get ready for weightlessness in space where, you know, the, the plane does like one of those parabolic things where it like climbs really high in the air and then it like plummets straight to the ground so that you've got this weightlessness, um, you know, simulating what it's like to be in space and how you have to move around and stuff like that. Cause you're literally in free fall and they did something like that for this. And it was, I've not seen that before. And that I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, it's very early in the movie. It's the only bright spot they don't do anything else interesting. They don't do anything else unique. They don't do anything else that, that is a reason to even remember it. Uh, if you want a YouTubeable moment, this is the one like you can see that be like, wow, that was kind of cool. Um, and then never ever even remember that this movie existed outside of that. Yeah. That's a perfect way to sum it up. And I mean, this, you know, again, this movie is, it's not well liked. It's 15, it's, it's 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Who are those 15 percenters? Like that's like, ah, that's, they're, they're the agents of the cast. Right. But like, that's wild. Like 15% is incredibly low. Like that means people that even like Tom Cruise and will like, like you think about that. It's just, it's crazy. Like, I I cannot believe how low this movie was and how universally it was not liked. (laughs) Yeah. Again, you think about this was a Tom Cruise movie, you know, when, when it seems like at this stage of his career, he could do no wrong. I mean, uh, you know, what, what is the worst movie you can think of that he's been involved in other than this? Like, if you just think about his filmography, you think about 
some of the most iconic movies in cinema. You know, things like I'm just like quickly glancing at his filmography. Obviously, the Mission Impossible series, I think, might be what most people will know him for that or Top Grot. And it's, it's one of those two. But, you know, like Risky Business, like Born on the Fourth of July, um, like that was a big iconic performance. A Few Good Men, The Firm, Interview mm-hmm. with the Vampire, Jerry Maguire. I mean, who doesn't know Jerry Maguire? Some of those things are just absolutely some of the most iconic films or iconic moments from films, you know, involve Tom Cruise. Yeah. Even like some movies that didn't make, you know, a lot like Oblivion. Oblivion didn't make a lot of money. Oh God, we loved Oblivion. But I love, yeah, I love it. I mean, talk about another movie. You think about, okay, what about Days of Thunder? I love Days of Thunder with him. This, this honestly might be, even the Jack Reacher movies I like. This this might be the worst movie that he's a part of. I'm a big fan of The Last Samurai. I think you oh, are as well. Yeah, The Last Samurai is I, I know some people were you know, I know that some people, you know, have certain things to say about that movie because of, you know, Tom Cruise being a white male and, you know, the setting, but oh my god, that movie's so good. Um but yeah, like this I think it can be stated this is the worst movie that he's a part of. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything that even comes close. But yeah, um, I think that's I think this has got to be it. I mean, Eyes Wide Shut has its detractors because it's kind of a different sort of vibe, but it's not this. Yeah. Yeah, no, right. It, yeah, no, it is. It It is not this at all. Like, oh, geez. But um, yeah, I, I I feel like it's a. Uh, it's a wrap and this has only happened a couple other times where it's just, you know, there's nothing to say. There, there's nothing to say about this movie. It's not something that I want to sit there and just bash on. Cause again, I don't think anybody ever goes into a movie like this saying, I want this to be bad or anything else like that. But this just for me is, is something that I don't think I like, I would never have any reason to watch this movie again i i just i don't see the point behind it so uh i'm gonna be ready with my with my final rating unless you have anything else that you are adding let's grab some popcorn all right so popcorn time we're gonna rate this movie out of five buckets and it's for me this is a half bucket movie there's there's one scene like you said that's that plane crash that i think is actually a good piece of film I don't like the dialogue. I don't like the characters. Nobody's relatable. It's actually a, I think it's actually a really poorly shot movie. Um, on my final thoughts, it's, it's one of those movies that's dark for the sense of being dark in terms of lighting. Um, it doesn't seem it's, it's not for the universe that it's in. It just feels like a very poorly shot movie. Uh, and for the production budget, that's unacceptable, but this is a half bucket for me. I am also exactly at a half bucket for the exact same reasons. The reason it is not no buckets is because of that airplane scene being just so cool and really unique that I've never seen before. Without re-saying everything you already said, even the score of this movie isn't particularly memorable. Like I can't even really consider that as part of it. So yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that everybody involved in is just kind of like, yeah, we're not really sure what that was. Um, and even though 
I, you know, we've said all that. I said it earlier as well. I actually feel like despite all this, weirdly, I still would have given the dark universe another movie to try to get it together and, and figure out a way to pull something in that would have made us actually compelled and interested. I don't know what, where they would have taken it, but if they would have given me a really good Dracula interpretation or a really good take on Frankenstein's monster, you might've been able to get me to look past this one and still have been into the dark universe. But um, much like the way of Batgirl, this whole thing got scrapped um, and who knows what it could have been. And it's, it's crazy because you have to assume that there are scripts out there or at least treatments for what was going to happen in these other movies. And I'm morbidly curious what those plans would have been. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing to come out of this movie is okay. What would your, what would your plans have been? What was the end game? I would have loved to finally get some sort of answer of this is where we were headed. This was the direction, but yeah, I, even with all of this, I still wish we would have gotten something else because I've seen things do worse than this and get sequels and get things still greenlit. So this always has been a curious case for me that it got pulled so quickly Yeah, because they, they were, it was so funny how quickly they were behind this uh, uh, immediately with, Oh yeah. Like you said, it's an entertainment weekly. Here's a picture of the cast. This is what we're doing. And then boom, like literally you turned around and it was, no, that's, that's not a thing anymore. Never mind. Yeah, they did the whole thing on an Etch-A-Sketch and then just shook it up and wiped it clean. Yep. Yeah, literally. So that that's the biggest curiosity to come from this is what would this have been? What were your plans? Um, maybe we'll get something down the road where, you know, we finally got all those things on, you know, the, the Superman Lives movie with Nicolas Cage. And we found out what that was supposed to be. Like maybe somewhere down the line, we'll get something like that. You kind of wonder because there's there's definitely precedent for scrapped scripts being turned into something else. And, you know, I think I mentioned this one other time. I don't remember which episode it was. But if you look at movies like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard um, and Speed, those three films are all kind of linked together in that they've all had movies in their franchises that were actually written for another franchise yep. uh, like from each other. So like you can kind of pass them around and, and it's, and just rename the characters and it still kind of works. I, I'd be curious if anybody ever takes a treatment for one of these and adapts it into its own standalone film, because you can still get people to go to the movies to see a good monster movie. I mean, heck look at what's going on with King Kong and Godzilla. You know, there's, there's a full on, franchise there that people are into um right you can get people to see this i mean look at what happened with the shape of water you know that was basically the creature from the black lagoon um people will people will come out for this stuff um you just can't do it like van helsing or lee of extraordinary gentlemen or the mummy yeah and even with van helsing though at least like to me van helsing is kind of in the same tier as like the mummy movies not as good but like it's at least fun there's a certain charm there like you can tell there's connections between the characters like i have a fun time watching van helsing it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination i still have fun with it though yeah but all right well i mean that will do it unfortunately this is one of those you know rare movies where it is 
it's just a bad movie, which sometimes is a damper to watch. So, Rob, I do appreciate you letting me bully <laughs> you into it. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, listeners, if you have not yet, um, Rob has recently finished another episode of the extended podcast universe with the movie Snatch, which was actually a three man uh, job, which was actually really good for. Uh, the three people never being together. I really, really enjoyed that episode. A uh, couple of drives to work, and I was able to listen to the whole thing. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So if you haven't been able to listen to that yet, uh, I highly recommend you take that and check out what that movie uh, meant to those guys and their thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a good time. Uh, obviously, I've got my brother, Eric, um, but we invited um, one of my best friends from college, uh, BJ. We actually lived together uh, for two years and uh, was in my wedding and, you know, stays a, a great friend to this day. And um, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun going back and revisiting a movie that meant a lot to us at the time that he and I spent a lot of time actually when we lived together rewatching as a couple of broke college students. And uh, much in the same way that we were just driving around Youngstown, Ohio, just uh, talking about this kind of stuff. It was it was kind of similar. Just, you know, we, this time we did it with uh, with microphones and recording equipment. So, yeah, uh, definitely check it out if you've not had a chance to yet. Listeners, it was a lot of fun and we hope you enjoy it, too. Very cool. Well, once again, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do not forget about our giveaway for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. And we look forward to bringing you more reviews at Matt Goes to the Movies.